You know, Lenin. Lenin. Did anyone ever hear of Lenin? He said, the vote counter is far more important than the candidate. Has anyone ever heard that? Lenin. Lenin, as they say, as they say in Russia. Greetings, friends. It's Friday, April 28th. Uh, Chapo coming at you. We've got uh, plenty of stuff to discuss on today's show. We've got just, you know, the, the, the Democratic field taking shape for the presidential election. We've got Stephen Crowder being uh, father and husband of the year. Uh, we've got just a, a, a stock show to tough things to talk about. But I, at the beginning of the show, I have only one thing to say, and that is my announcement that David Shore and I will be having a hot boy summer. No, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. I was very much under the impression that David Shore and I would be having a hot boy summer. Um, wait, what? I, I, have some, I have some bad news for you guys. This is a uh, common scam email that's going around. Uh, fake <laughs> David Shore has been contacting people and saying, hey, this is the real David Shore. I want to have a hot boy summer with you, but I need all your, all your uh, mothership DNC donor info before we can have our hot boy summer together. <laughs> oh shit that's oh, i gave all that stuff up yeah that it's it's tough oh. it is a real david chore though asking if it makes you feel better but he's just telling that to everybody uh their girlfriends yeah. are dead effective altruists in your area want sex only for hot boy summer <laughs> in case oh, boy in, in case people didn't do not know the origin of the worst sentence ever <laughs> <laughs> the sentence that unleashed a 100 million year old demon into the realm of Earth. There was an exhaustive profile, side, front, and back, of Sean McElwee. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is, um, I mean, the sentence is like the sentence is already bad enough, but knowing that McElwee said it, said that him and David Shore were yeah. going to have a hot boy summer, that's what makes it the fucking worst sentence yeah. ever. There, there, you, you can close your eyes and imagine an actual room with humans in it and he's there and he's got his glasses on and he is speaking the words david shore and i are gonna have a hot boy summer Ugh. people Truly. walking in the street past the condo that that was happening in had like nausea so they started bleeding <laughs> from the eyes they had no idea why. <laughs> it's been a while it's been a while since we've had a good madness rune enter our reality <laughs> yeah. yes um so yeah, uh, I don't know. You, you guys want to dive into Sean McElwee? You want to you want to talk about you want to talk about Sean? We could talk about Crowder. We could talk about uh, Joe Brandon declaring or Tucker Carlson, uh, Praz being an agent of foreign influence for China. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the problem with this is one of those soft weeks. power. That's the soft power problem that the Chinese have. Praz is not a fucking song, and they don't know that, years. That's probably a bad hundred million dollars to throw at Praz. <laughs> <laughs> ghetto superstar was like the last song of his that was ever that anyone noticed and that was probably 30 years ago oh man uh let, let's, let's start let's start, let's start talking about our boy uh steven crowder because man oh man uh there's a lot of repulsive shitheads in the world who deserve to have bad things happen to them but steven crowder has got to be near the top of the list and like the the, the two videos that came out about father and husband of the year steven crowder this week uh, let's start there because 
the the first video of him announcing his uh his divorce on his uh web show or whatever was the most like on cinema in real life thing I've ever seen. Did you guys watch that clip? But in today's legal system, my beliefs don't matter. In Texas, divorce is permitted when one party wants it, period. And all this one thing I want to be really clear about is certain. True North here is that my children are blameless, completely without fault. And so we decided to resolve these issues privately as it's in their best interests, uh, both emotionally and physically to do so. Yeah. Yeah. um, As many people pointed out, I think he 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 read somewhere uh, in passing that you're supposed to tell your kids that it's not your fault you're getting divorced. That was it's like you're you're supposed to tell them. You're not supposed to like in your public <laughs> statement go, uh, oh, it's not my kid's fault because no one. That's it's yeah. for the kids to hear. It's not like <laughs> yeah, and his it, kids. It's not for are- it's not for the world to hear. Like the no one in the world was under the impression that it's like. Oh, I mean, Stephen was probably the perfect husband. I don't. I don't think there was a problem with him putting on dresses or um, doing David Koresh mind games on his pregnant wife. <laughs> it's probably the kids that did this. No, you see, you're yeah, not like, understanding. Uh, in in order for him to tell his kids that it's not their fault, he has to put it on the show because that's their only interaction with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's the best father of all time. I mean, there's some more sordid stuff, but um, I like uh, the detail that we found out that um, you know he had he had like there was like a surgery storyline on the Crowder program, yeah. and he made it sound like you know my chest is collapsing. I if yeah, I don't, I, get I, it, I think he kind of made people imply that he kind of implied that like he had a heart disorder or something. Yeah, it turns out it was a completely elective surgery. He probably got fucking pec implants. Yeah. <laughs> and knowing him, he made up like the the whole like this is life threatening and getting the surgery in the first place. He probably did that because he was jealous of his the twins his wife was pregnant with getting the attention in the household. Yeah, I, I have I have I have the uh, the description of it here. It says in July 2021, Crowder underwent a surgical operation in which titanium bars were inserted into his chest in order to counteract his congenital condition of pectus excavatum sunken chest. The surgery caused fluid to accumulate in his lungs, which he called excruciatingly painful. Several weeks later, he was rushed to the hospital due to a collapsed lung. In August 2021, as Crowder was still recovering from both treatments, uh, his wife gave birth to twins. <laughs> so just like choosing to get an elective surgery. So it's time perfectly uh, for when your wife delivers uh, twins. As, oh, wait, that's, said, th- that's when the greatest screenshot of all time. I mean, the, the picture of Crowder, like all Bolsonaroed up in the hospital bed, tubes coming out of him. <laughs> and then it says subscribed on Spotify. <laughs> I have to find uh, that. That's got to be our episode uh, thumbnail. But uh <laughs> Yeah, like the the original video announcing his divorce um, to his cretinous fan base was, again, like the highlight was him saying, like, look, I just want to make it clear the most important thing, my true North Star in all this horrible ordeal is that my children are totally blameless. And it was just like, I I mean, Felix, you said no one would have thought to blame the kids, but they were the, they were my first culprits in why this otherwise happy marriage was <laughs> yeah. ruined. And then the other really funny part about the uh, divorce announcement video was when he was like, uh, my wife chose to end this marriage. This was not my choice. Um, she like and, and in the state of Texas, that's still allowed. Normal world. 
normal state and just get a divorce <laughs> from your partner. It's just like, I, did he think that that wasn't allowed? Is there, is there any state in America where like, uh, I, I don't know. Got, yeah, no fault divorce is universal now. Well, I mean, like, I, I think, there, I mean, like in, in his comments on this, it's clear that like, you know, the, the right wing are trying to claw that back or whatever, which I think is a good idea because then we can go back to the classic era of private investigators where like you hire yes, a guy. Like, creeping yes, creeping and peeping. Creeping and peeping. Taking pictures of you through the window of take, your motel room. With your secretary while you chase her around in art uh, boxers. <laughs> and, you, and then after sex, you, you cool off with a, with a big old cigar and then a giant Dagwood sandwich. And the whole time, there's a skeevy private detective taking pictures with a comically giant camera. Return. I think, I think it's a great idea. They don't have, there, there aren't enough things that are alienating uh, women voters. On the on yeah. the GOP side, there are no <laughs> things that will completely alienate suburban white women. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, you know that husband who you barely put up with day to day, who like uh, you you have a perfectly managed cocktail of prescription drugs and boxed wine that keeps you from murdering him. Yeah, we're going to get rid of any legal possibility for you to ever leave him. Yeah, and like, look, folks, we've 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 joked in the past on this show about the rolling pin. But holy shit, like Stephen Crowder needs like the steamroller. The Supreme Wife Council needs to render a sentence of death <laughs> he needs on Stephen yeah, Crowder. After answer. I saw that video that Yashar fucking <laughs> published of this fucking asshole just like lying at like just lying around smoking a big old cigar, demanding that his eight months pregnant wife with twins um, walk their dogs and give their dogs medicine that's toxic to pregnant women. And he was just like, put on gloves, put on gloves. You're not being wifely. This is about respect and discipline and being your wifely duties. And she was just like, I'm like, I'm taking the car to do errands to buy you steak and pellets for your wood burning grill. And then he's just like, Watch oh, he's it. got a Traeger. Watch of course it. he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking. Uh, of course. He's just got his giant stogie looking at his app. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. grilling like a rail wow. Least abusive Traeger owner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He he's. um. Yeah, he he's like demanding his wife handle like the dog chemo medicine. Uh, he probably gave the dogs cancer so he could get more attention in the household. <laughs> uh, it's a fucking one car household. Yeah, that was it's a one car household. This guy made <clears throat> this guy makes at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year. Living in fucking Texas in a Texas suburb with one car, you only do that if you want to torture your fucking wife. Yes, if you want to have complete control over your fucking wife, if you're that guy, Felix, it's about respect and discipline—the discipline of being a one-car household in Texas. Yeah, but like, think about that. Is like he was—he was furious at his wife because she was taking the car to like run errands for him before doing the other errands he had assigned her for the or chores he assigned her for the day, and he was like getting furious at her because she was like, "You're abandoning me here." You're you're trapping me in this house, and you're totally right, Felix. That's the only reason to have a one car house in a situation like that because he wants to trap his wife there. Yeah, it, it, it's ancillary to everything else. But I found out so he, you know how the uh, the, the Daily Wire offered him fifty million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years. It turns out okay. See, he has fifty thousand subscribers. That like God. They, that's like close to what we have. There is yeah. they're playing they're playing with such inflated numbers on the conservative side. Yeah. But like yeah, I mean, if he's being offered 50 million like a 10 over 10 million dollar a year contract and 
he there's one fucking car. Yeah, it's very obvious. I mean, there's also the wife following all these accounts on Instagram that people found that are like, you know, how to survive narcissistic abuse, getting <laughs> out of like Christ. just awful. Like he's a I mean, we already knew he was a fucking awful guy, but like Jesus Christ. What a I mean, it was psycho. like the, it was probably a hard day for her when she realized that he just married her for her wardrobe. Yeah, <laughs> just wanted access Did to all see? those wonderful women's clothes for him to own the libs in. Yeah. Did you see that guy uh, Owen Benjamin's post about it? And like, I love these right wing guys. They like they all slit each other's throat the first fucking chance they get because yeah. that Owen Benjamin guy was and he said. He's like, look, I know to my listeners and subscribers, I seem like a fairly alpha dominant personality. But I assure you, in, in, my, in my personal conduct, whenever I uh, meet another male, I immediately defer to their whims um, and just basically roll over and display my stomach to Steven Crowder and immediately allow him to dress me up in fishnets to own trans people. And then he was like, I agreed to do this sketch with Steven Crowder because we were owning the uh, tr trans people. But then, like, I realized he was just dressing me up like a prostitute and there was really no bit or joke. But he was just, <laughs> he was just, <laughs> oh, my God. I, yeah, I like, like that, that Owen Benjamin thing because it, it, it is true. He, had, he does have, like, the phenotype of someone who's just like, Duh, where are we going, boss? Yeah. <laughs> he, he is, he's, he's got a classic minion energy. Like, yeah. He, he is, when, he, when he said in that he's post, like a I'm, a I'm a natural bravo. That was yeah. that was that's up there with hot I mean, voice as a phrase that's going to be rattling around my head until I die. Uh, true, true though. I mean, you know, he he should be uh, wearing a turtleneck and a newsboy cap at the loading dock and going, "There's the bat." <laughs> <laughs> and, I hear he drains bloods out of guys. <laughs> Pipe down, yes. Keep unloading this crack. Yeah, he. He does, you know, he has the look of one of the first guys you kill in Max Payne. Yeah. But I just love the idea that, like, everyone in the Crowder orbit has been forced femmed by him at some point for, like, a, a humorous <laughs> comedy sketch in, in which they're, like, the, the, the joke of which is that, like, hey, what if I had tits and was wearing yeah. <laughs> hot pants? <laughs> and, like, the astonishing thing to me about the, uh, the leaked, like, uh, Yashir Ali video is that, like, this motherfucker talks to his wife in exactly the same way he talks to his cretinous fans on his like webcast. It's just like, it, like I mean, I guess like it, it, you know he really does live the values that he espouses of being a complete piece of shit. Because like when he's just lecturing his wife on um, <laughs> being wifely, I was just like, wow, this dude just doesn't turn it off. I I do. I am a little. I am a little unnerved i guess that uh yashir ali can just get your fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, home exactly. recordings and put them <laughs> yeah. on the internet yeah, well yeah i mean, seem like a good precedent i know well he's he's varus the spider one of his birdies <laughs> got it <laughs> his, little, his little birds are everywhere and, and everyone's ring fucking camera <laughs> Yeah, I like uh, maybe maybe that just like that's a part of the ring TOS that no one read. That's on page 89. Yasher can access your ring camera at any time. <laughs> OK. Ugh. And like and I guess like the, the, the uh, like the cherry on top of this whole uh, Crowder affair is that like he spent years as like a, a young conservative pundit and like his beat was like uh, I'm the marriage guy. And I was reminded of this uh, this Fox News piece that he wrote back in 2015 called Waiting Till the Wedding Night, Getting Married the Right Way, in which he just like 
like in the article, like he describes um, going on a honeymoon, going on his honeymoon with his uh, now ex-wife. And like they see a woman like at like at breakfast the next day who uh, like she had just gotten married as well. But like her, her, her you know, her husband was still in the hotel room because he was a little hungover from partying the night before. And then like in the article, Crowder just talks about like, I was disgusted at this absolute boob and oaf who ruined what should have been the most special night of his life by getting drunk like it was just another party. And the whole thing is just talking about like, I got married the right way. And if you feel judged right now, good, because I am judging you. Like I wait, I we waited to <laughs> consummate our marriage on our wedding night. And it's just like, what a fucking psycho. It was a beautiful moment. My wife slipping the zipper down the back of my dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, uh, feeling judged. I couldn't care less. You know why? Because my wife and I were judged all throughout a relationship. People laughed, scoffed, and poked fun at the young, celibate, naive Christian couple. We'd certainly never make it to the wedding without shtupping, and if we did, our wedding night would be awkward and terrible, they said. Turns out that no, people they didn't have been more wrong. <laughs> no, they, no one said that. No one said that to you. That's all literally in your head. He says, looking back, I think that the women saying those things felt like the floozies they ultimately were, and the men, with their fickle manhood tied to their pathetic sexual conquests, felt threatened. I think it's important to write this column, not to gloat, though I'll be glad to, but to speak up for all the young couples, all the young cuckolds who have done, <laughs> also done things the right way. When people do marriage right, they don't complain so much, and so their voices are silenced by the rabble of promiscuous charlatans peddling their pathetic worldview as progressive. Our wedding was perfect. Our wedding night was nothing short of amazing. Oh, Stephen, don't spare on the details, buddy. Uh, I'll write this I guess I write this uh, on a plane headed to it into a tropical paradise with the most beautiful woman to have walked the planet Earth. I know everybody says that their bride was the most beautiful in the world. They're wrong. I win. So it's like his perfect wedding night and perfect honeymoon. He's writing this bullshit for Fox News <laughs> during it. That is the mark of the perfect wedding night. It just, you know, a, a true culmination of love. Um, song of songs type sex. When you are uh, sending, you know, on the night of your wedding, are sending a Google Doc to your editor at Fox News for something you're going to be paid $250 for. <laughs> uh, no, here, here's, here's the thing I, I, I'm referencing. He says, uh, where's the groom? My wife in, innocently scratched that naively asked. Oh, he's sleeping. There was just no way he was coming out with me this morning. She paused and smirked. Let's just say he's got a lingering headache from a really good time last night. My heart sank. Firstly, that poor schmuck's good time was simply getting snookered, not enjoying the company of close family and long-lost friends with a clear head and clean conscience, not staring in awe at his beautiful new wife, wanting to soak in every glimmer. <laughs> he wants to soak his new wife. <laughs> and every glimmer of her eyes as she shot him heart-racing looks from across the dance floor. Dude, th this is gay, man. Like, no man talks about his wedding. It's perfect. This guy probably had a Pinterest board for his fucking perfect wedding night. <laughs> I'm sure it was a very uh, BuzzFeed Benny type wedding. Experience. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Wes Anderson theme wedding. Yeah. Do you think the the hungover groom uh, has ever made his wife handle radioactive dog pellets? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, wishing the best of luck to, to Crowder and his family, but particularly not his evil children who caused this awful divorce. Yeah, not what being, the fuck, kids? They, they've, they've not been childly. His wife no. is not likely, <laughs> and his child is not childly, <laughs> as the Bible commands. Yeah, we are wishing for Crowder's family that um, 
I yeah, that I guess you never have to see him again. That is what I hope for them. Yeah. Not really anybody. I, yeah, I, I is this is this what you think Candace Owen had on him that she was alluding to? Oh yeah, because like I mean, in, in in the I mean, I stopped watching the video after he uh, after he assured everyone that his children were not at fault for his divorce. But then, like most of the video is him just playing Candace Owen clips where she's like intoning darkly about Stephen's got a lot of problems and you know like he, you know he needs to focus on his own life right now. So I mean, I don't I don't know. I think it was just like Candace maybe had access to like sort of like the Disney vault. There's the Crowder vault of all the uh, videos of him cross-dressing and uh, doing humorous sketches to own Joe Biden or Barack Obama that have to require him looking like a streetwalker. Yeah, I mean, like my first assumption with all that, with what uh, Candace Owen said was like, you know, oh, it's like how you remember how that that BuzzFeed guy, uh, he said to Benny Johnson, I made out with you at the Christmas party in 2014. I thought it was something like that, you know, obviously, but I, I feel like if it was like a, 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 a gay thing or whatever, there would there would be they couldn't hold it in that much. They would yeah. have alluded to it. Well, I, I don't I know. Gotta I think mean, it's just it's stuff like this, you know? Well, yeah, like, I mean, may, I mean, maybe we're overthinking this. Uh, maybe it's just the existence of a video in which he screams at his eight months pregnant wife. I will fuck you up. Like yeah, for, yeah. And, but immediately coming after a video where he assures everyone that there was no abuse of any kind taking place in his marriage or infidelity, if I, I might add. Yeah. Uh, and also when, you know, while rallying against no fault divorce, uh, says he doesn't want to punish his kids because he picked wrong. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how the fuck do you think she feels when she's being... <laughs> <laughs> being being you know uh <laughs> doubled over with the pain of being in your third trimester being uh ordered to like pick up dog shit by your husband who's lying on a fucking deck chair smoking a cigar yeah just exhausted by his uh three hours of work a week god what a piece <laughs> of shit like He's, i said you know there there have always been like you know, we watch so many conservative guys, you know, we, we're so familiar with so many of them. We, we've watched as much, if not more of their content, consume more of it than like a lot of their fans probably. And it's like some of them along the years, you, you get like a grudging, like a little, a little affinity towards them. Or you think, oh, it might be fun to, you know, hang out with Sean Hannity one time, you know, or there, there's something like pathetic that I like about Felix. Boston you're only that. saying that because you're a you're a deluded left liberal who Sean Hannity is uh, not threatening to. So of course you want to hang out with <laughs> Sean Hannity. That's yeah, true. Because um, he, he conforms to like partisan narratives, so you'd have no yeah. problem throwing back a few beers at TJ McSorley's in 50th and Sixth Avenue <laughs> with yeah. with Sean and his crew. Yeah, get, get a few enough beers, he'll be saying, "I'm Sean Hannity, he him." But uh, <laughs> um. Crowder is just like I've always just found him just detestable. Like outside of politics, just as a person, wholly unlikable in every fucking way. Completely irredeemable swine. I I totally agree. Like you know, like you know, we we we've had our faves on this show. Like despite you know the the evil that men do, there's there's some glimmer of humanity or some quirk of personality or weirdness that makes them slightly endearing. No, Crowder is human shit. He is human dog shit. Yeah, he is lower lower than <laughs> lower than like a dead rat on the street is, is is his value as a human being. He's always made my fucking skin crawl. Every it's just like he's so essentially talentless. That's the thing. Is like like yeah. his attempts to be despite being like an like a like an evil vile demagogue like 
it's just like his attempts at being funny are are so excruciating. They're worse than any of like the you know uh, racist or misogynistic drivel that he parrots to his audience of uh, knuckle dragging cretins. Yeah, have you ever seen his stand up? Oh God, no! Oh God, oh, it's fucking terrible. It's and, terrible. Like, he looks like, everything like everything he does. I, I sort of got like I, I think he did get pectoral implants or something because like in that video he's looking like like he looks like Hans and Franz from SNL. Like those don't look like <laughs> yeah. real muscles to me. He's getting he's getting all kinds of gender affirming surgeries. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, mo- moving on from uh, Crowder and the conservative media, I guess like there's a few more stories came out this week about like the fallout from the uh, the Tucker Carlson firing. But, like none of them seem to like shed much more light on what's going on. And I think people I don't know, like I- I've been unconvinced by a lot of the explanations I've read for why he was fired. You know, like people say like, well, look, he. <laughs> Fox News is now on the hook for a seven hundred million dollars civil judgment against them. So when you do that, or like, but the thing is, like, there are Fox hosts and commentators who are like way more on the stolen election shit than Tucker was. But yeah. you know, I mean, he was certainly a part of it. So like, if you cause your if you cause the company you work for to have to cough up seven hundred million dollars, chances are they're not going to look too kindly on your continued employment. But the uh, the Gabriel Sherman story in Vanity Fair was the one that like uh, piqued my interest because it was basically all about how Rupert Murdoch's like the the woman that he was going to marry until like two weeks ago is like a complete religious nut who regards Tucker Carlson as some kind of messiah figure, and they all had dinner together at R- Rupert Murdoch's house, and he said that uh, uh, his, his his at the time then fiance like paused the dinner to read from Exodus and like proclaimed Carlson as some sort of Moses figure, and they said that Murdoch was just sitting there silent and then broke off the engagement like the next day, so I think I think uh, I think Tucker may have. Uh, May have gotten a little too close to the boss's uh, then fiance. I mean, he also called a bunch of his other bosses like cunts and stuff in in, in uh, texts that got released. That probably didn't help. Um, did you watch the video that he put out that was like very vague and self congratulatory, but like certainly not didn't say anything bad about the, his previous employers, who I'm sure have stitched him up with all kinds of NDAs and threats of blackmail. I watched that, and it's just sort of like I I I think for him. I, I think for like his audience of like younger people who are online, I think this will only like intensify his appeal as like sort of a heterodox independent media figure. But I think the bulk of his audience, which are just old people on Fox News, will probably not decamp for whatever online based. Yeah, I mean, apparently the ratings at. are down, but they also are just like throwing Brian Kilmeade and other replacement level oafs on there. <laughs> as soon as they get Kilmeade. a permanent person with a yeah. little bit of juice, they'll just be like, yeah. okay, good. I can remember uh, to never change the channel again. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you're dealing with an audience for which, like, uh, changing the channel is like, I need instructions to do that, let alone yeah. fi- find out his, you know, web stream or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, but moving on from the world of conservative media, let's talk presidential politics. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the Republican side of this and, you know, the Trump DeSantis. Uh, I won't say even, you know, conflict at this time because I think it's pretty much over at this point. <laughs> but. Uh, let's talk about the Democratic field, because like this week it was like we saw, uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden officially declare his, uh, you know, that he is running for reelection. And then I, I got to give credit to uh, the girl, Nikki Haley, for making the case that he's going to be dead within a couple of years. Like in all in all likelihood, Joe Biden will be dead soon. Oh, God. Yeah, I would hope so. Can you imagine the nightmare his existence would be like if he isn't dead in five years? If he isn't dead so, in five years, just run him again. 
you know, let's let's see let's see how far we can take this. And like, let's see let's see how we uh, let's see how we fare under Lich leadership. <laughs> and you know, but but you know, like there does look like there is a a democratic field, so to speak. I mean, like, look, I do not see any outcome short of either of them dying that will prevent a Trump Biden twenty twenty four rematch. And hey, you know that is certainly on the table in both cases. Yeah. So like, who who knows what could happen? But like, you know, on the Democratic ticket side, you got. RFK Jr. Uh, declaring his candidacy. And I saw in a Fox News poll is at 19%, which is, you know, fairly impressive for like an outsider candidate. And then Marianne Williamson. And like, these are sort of the, uh, the, the I don't know, the, the protest candidates, people filling in, you know, like, uh, what, what, do you, what do you guys make of either RFK or Marianne Williamson? Uh, what, at this late date, do we not know now? Like, what do you, what do you want out of this? Like, if you want entertainment, Okay, have go with God, but like expecting anything out of this process, like oh, they're gonna move the Overton window or whatever. It's like have we have we not gotten enough examples of how this works to know that that there is nothing that is going to emerge from anything out of this. That okay, there's Matt, no reason to get invested in it. You say that, but like then if 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 what you're saying is true, then why is the Democratic Party? trying so hard to deny Marianne and RFK a chance to debate Biden and expose him as a doddering old fool. Because, I mean, like, that could very well happen. And if it does, you're talking about a game changer in, in democratic electoral politics. Because, you know, if Joe Biden were ever to be exposed, for instance, on a debate stage as being entirely out of it and essentially yeah. <laughs> uh, checked out, um, then I think... No like, one's you know, for that. Yeah, the Democratic Party is in big trouble, boys. It is and, uh, genuinely insane. That this 80-year-old man who is visibly decaying before our eyes is just, if he wants it, it's his, and there's no way to stop it. It's, it's astounding that that's the case. But you know, that is the Democratic Party we have. Like It can well, come together uh, to fend off anything that its uh, minions perceive as like a threat to their specific prerogatives within it. But beyond that, like they just it's a bunch of camps of, of, uh, of con artists and careerists just circling around these offices and sinecures and, and doing whatever uh, the people at the, in the center of those want to do, whether they're 80-year-olds or 90-year-olds, whatever it is. Uh, in fact, having those people there is, is better because it, it allows the staff more leeway, probably. Well, yeah, speaking of um, the, <laughs> the gerontocracy, goddamn, the Dianne Feinstein story continues to get <laughs> so good. Because, like, her not being in the Senate because, you know, uh, her brain is pudding, like, literally <laughs> was literally the deciding factor in whether a bill would be passed to, like, limit the level of air pollution we can all uh, inhale. And, you know, like, and it's just like uh, all the Dianne Feinstein dead enders, of which I consider myself a, you know, charter member of the, of the Support Dianne Never Leave Caucus, are just doubling down on this. And they're just like, you know, it really whiffs of sexism here. I'm just I'm I'm getting all kinds of uh, the scent of all kinds of various rank misogynies in demanding that, that, that Senator Dianne Feinstein show up to vote, that she be on the Judiciary Committee so that they can confirm judges. It's just like, who are you? Who are How you to dare demand you? anything of this woman? How dare you? My favorite bit about this is that she got reappointed to the Judiciary Committee in January. It's, this is not like, oh, no, you know, she we put her on the Judiciary Committee in 1995 and uh, we can't get her off without a two thirds vote. Like, no, the, the Senate Democrats put her back there when the, they reconvened in January. 
Like yeah. after there'd been 15 stories about her just drooling all over uh, like briefing books and stuff. They're just like, yeah, it's fine. Sometimes, She's I, think Dick, it. sometimes I think Dick Durbin works too hard. <laughs> <laughs> he saw, he saw her, you know, that her staff had to put like one of those uh, cones that you put on a dog on her. <laughs> she wouldn't like chew her wrist off. And he was like, you know what? We're good. We're good for another six years of this. I want to see how long it can last. I, I really do. Like, I, I, you know, like, absolutely. It could be like, uh, you know, Captain Pike from Star Trek. They're going <laughs> to wheel her in there in the Professor X wheelchair. Uh, like, half of her face will be burned by radiation. And then just look, just tell her it's Robert Bork. You know, just like, just get her out there. We're voting on Bork again today, <laughs> you know, Diane. And she's just like, oh, I know what to do. I'm voting no. Going back a little bit to uh, Marianne and RFK. Uh, I'm, I got to say about RFK's candidacy, I'm kind of confused about who, who the fuck it's for, you know? Y- you know, if you told me like a year ago, RFK is going to run for the Democratic nomination in 2024, I'd go, okay, I, I, I can guess what that campaign is going to be about. But so far, he's like sort of like tiptoeing away from the vaccine stuff. And I just, I, I wonder then what, what's it about? Like, what, it, what is his core set of issues? You know, well, he's got a bunch of stuff. I mean, it seems like it's like, a, you know, the, the anti-imperial uh, critique of the Democrats, you know, plus vac- anti-vaccine stuff, uh, populism in its broadest sense. I can see like uh, there are plenty of Democratic people who believe in QAnon, like people who are legacy Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see I could see him appealing to them for sure. Okay, he needs to do an event with Vincent Fuchsia and be like, yes. my uncle is like, like, yo, my he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're back from the sea. <laughs> uh, Marianne Williamson, that's uh, another one where, I don't know, I, I can kind of, that's, I have more of an idea over who that's for. Um, I don't know. I, I So far, the answer seems to be like delusional people because they're like, She's she's getting the biggest response on TikTok and it's not in the news. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, what? the news sucks, but that's not a fucking story. I mean, oh, where, what is her stance? On, oh, I, I'm going to need to hear I'm going to hear from Marianne Williamson on two very important issues. One, how mirrors know uh, to reflect things that are behind a piece of paper <laughs> when you put it next to it. And, and how is she going to deal with the coming threat of the rise of the Nephilim when they resurface and declare war on humanity? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, like, it, I, I mean, it's, it, I, I guess it seems like we're shitting on them or whatever, but like Marianne and RFK, I guess, like, as a whole are probably like, you know, closer to my point of view than uh, Joe Biden is. But, I, you know, I, I don't know if either of them have the juice. And as far as like RFK goes, I think it's cool that he's running for president on a platform of like the CIA killed my uncle and father. But like running for the Democratic nomination while also saying that like 300 million Americans have like fatally poisoned themselves with the uh, vaccines or whatever. Just like it's I don't know. You got to got to pick your battles. You got to pick your spots because like I, I just don't see it's it's the whole anti-vax thing and, and his just and his weird ass voice. Sorry, I know he had throat cancer. I mean, the voice is like, come on, man. What are I, you uh, doing? You know, he has at least a couple things I like. I like the. um I like the idea of, you know, running a campaign where it's just like, you know, the, the CIA killed my family because he's like, yeah, true. I like that Dennis Kucinich is there. I always like to see him. And that's two things I like, which I guess means I have to vote for him. That's two more things than anyone else. Yeah. You know, that's true. Um, I mean, you know what, you know what I like to see? Cheryl Hines. 
Yeah, she's uh, that's three things. Three things. Yeah, okay. that's three things I like about RFK he's, Jr. He's lapping the fucking field now. Okay. I think we <laughs> found out who this campaign's that... for, everyone. Yeah, they, <laughs> we they just answered they our own the, question. They get in the White House and there's a curb season where Larry's there just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Larry and Leon in the White House just showing up during cabinet <laughs> meetings and asking for uh, you know, crackers or something. Uh but, but back to back to Joe Biden though. Uh, who's going to be, I don't know, 98 years old next year. Uh, There's, you know, there's increasing, because he's so old and running again, there is another spate of articles being like, this makes it even more important, like Kamala Harris's role even more important. And I'm just wondering, when are they going to drop this dead weight? When are they going to drop this dead weight? We they need they need a replacement here because they do need That is the thing, like, you could imagine occurring which is getting her off of the ticket but again you can't do and you can't change anything you can't you cannot intervene in what has been like thrown up by previous decisions but because Nikki Haley on absolutely spot on like it is unlikely that Biden would survive a second term so like you are effectively voting Kamala for president. Uh, yeah. If he's <laughs> yeah. running in 2020. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, Nikki Haley, I mean, she, um, you know, if anyone is like the least stupid out of that field, it's definitely her. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she's um, <laughs> offering Disney, uh, South Carolina to build a new Disney world in. That was, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, she, she, she was like, you know, we're not woke, but we're not annoying either. Yeah. Which is like not true, but like, you know, it's a good sales pitch. She has, yeah. she, she's the only one who seems to have like any idea of the party existing beyond the next four years, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say, Biden's probably going to fucking die. Do you want Kamala as president is like the best pitch I've ever I've heard for independence by the Republican Party. Yeah. In the last like couple decades. Well, uh, uh, two things. They just like, you know, uh, Matt, I think you're exactly right, because everyone knows that this is just like unchangeable. There's nothing that they can do to like change course or uh, correct anything. That's why we're getting all these spates of art like this, this, this deluge of articles about how like Kamala Harris's role is more important than ever. And I just want to show this one paragraph from Thomas Friedman's piece on this subject today. He writes at the same time, Harris has to make the case for herself, ideally by showing more forcefully what she can do. One thing Biden might consider is putting Harris in charge of ensuring that America's transition to the age of artificial intelligence works to strengthen communities in the middle class. It's a big theme that could take her all over the country. And I got to say, that is a brilliant idea. You want to talk about an issue that you can give to your VP that they could barnstorm the country raising awareness about? It's uh, making sure that our transition into an artificially intelligent nation strengthens middle class communities. Uh, yeah, end, well, well, yeah. I mean, like, if you get Kamala talking to any of the AIs, they'll go rampant instantly. <laughs> Can we bring they'll, up they'll that clip? Break, Kam- yeah, they'll they'll brick their own hard drives trying to replicate her diction. <laughs> Can we bring up the clip of her talking from this week? Because she is once again booted as fuck, can't feel her face, just like just rolling. I got. I, I don't. I want to know what drug she's on because this clip is incredible. Yeah, it's just we, perfect, we need the entire White House, uh, Biden White House pharmacological breakdown at some point. Someone's got to leak that in the future. So I think it's very important, mm-hmm. as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, mm-hmm. for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present. 
and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. <laughs> I'm pretty so sure important. she just plagiarized the, in, the preface to GeoHell there. <laughs> ever read it. It's got a very GeoHell flavor to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she like, is... She is always conceptualizing of a history. <laughs> she is always imagining history in a contemporary world. She might have been the prosecuting attorney. Uh, <laughs> in his case, yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. like when she's like, uh, in every moment, certainly this one, I would just like it. She just throw, switch it up and be like, in every moment. Not this one, though. This one, <laughs> accept it. This will we be don't need to contextualize a transcendent this moment. moment outside of space and time. Like the content of her speeches, ninety percent of it is like you know when people have to write filler lyrics to fit the meter in a song. Just it's just <laughs> nothing. This time that we're in that is unprecedented is a time where more than ever we have to remember times past, but also what times will happen in the future before we go through the present. Before we can get to the future, we have to go through the past and the present. But before we're done with the future, before we're done with the future, we have to remember our past because that future is going to be our past someday. And when the future is the past, there's a second future that comes after that, and that's going to be the present. It's so Imagine important. Four futures on a, on a on a cliff. <laughs> yeah. One future falls off and then replaces it in the back of the line. Felix, if you switch that to a gravely intoning monologue from uh, an action hero, that sounds like it could be out of Loop Jumper. <laughs> Yeah, Kamala Harris is taking a vice presidential visit to Uncle Sam's broken clocks. <laughs> She's petting the time pit bulls. <laughs> it's so important to contextualize the present moment because the future is where we are all going to live. With President Kamala Harris. Yeah. I'm hoping daily fireside chats. <laughs> I know that I know that we said that like she would find a way to lose to DeSantis, but after the latest, um, I don't know what you DeSantis outburst. <laughs> I'm not Ugh. sure anymore. He's like Ugh. he could be the fucking least appealing person who's ever run for president. It, he is. It's he's like doing a Greg Stilson speed run here. Just, yeah, <laughs> like just all any artifice of of. A uh, serious political guy just peeling off and revealing, yeah, that like Toontown screech. How would they know me? Okay, think about that. Do you honestly believe that's credible? <laughs> How would they know me? How would they know me? <laughs> He's de yeah. screaming like on the daily now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I like the thing about him torturing people at Guantanamo because he's like, come on, man. He's like, do you, that was years ago. Do you, do you think that you would remember the haunting face of the man who tortured you as you helplessly <laughs> screamed for mercy? God, uh, just imagine. Matt, like, the, uh, yeah. Doing the, uh, he's doing the Greg Stilson. He uh, announces his candidacy in Toontown and uh, has to like and, and grabs the uh, the baby from Roger Rabbit to protect himself from one of the uh, talking bullets fired at him. <laughs> he's a tune. He's he's, he, he's a tune he is down. a tune. <laughs> it's like uh, every, everything that people said about like Hillary as a person that people were supposed to relate to. Uh, you know, it is true. It seems to be like triply true for DeSantis. He is just he is the least likable person put out as like I mean, a like major he, he's the best he's he's the best resume guy, but for the Republicans. Yeah. 
but it just like wholly off-putting. I can't who is seeing that and going like that's that's a that's my guy. That's the number of Republicans who have had in-person meetings with DeSantis came out and then immediately endorsed Trump. It, it, yeah. At this point, it's a trend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, it's the Giuliani effect. The same thing happened to Giuliani yeah. in 2008 where the Maury campaign, the worst he fucking did because people yeah. actually saw him. That's that's DeSantis's fate. He cannot, no one can withstand meeting him. Well, uh, speaking of hot boy summer, they're uh, saying that he might announce his candidacy in June. And that that's what that's what all the fucking pro DeSantis people say. Are like, oh, wait till he announces. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's gonna change when he announces. What is his voice gonna crack? <laughs> God, thinking Just about wait. the Guantanamo thing is so dark because, like, it'd be one thing if you get you know abducted by the global hegemon and taken across the world to be tortured by some you know, faceless bureaucratic psycho, like, or some wild eyed, like O'Brien like believer, but then to just have this persnickety dickhead just show up being like, well, that's torture o'clock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like over, overhearing this fucking pussy in the other room. I said, no, fine. I'm on the yeah. South beach diet. <laughs> <laughs> it's carbs. <laughs> it's force feeding time. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> Sugar. <laughs> yeah. You here comes the pudding. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he acquired his taste for pudding. Yep. When he was forcing it up the nose of uh, to helpless torture guys, victims. Yeah. And by the way, like, uh, just like probably ninety percent of the people at Guantanamo were totally innocent. Just uh, you know, need to throw that out there as well as part part of Ron DeSantis uh, overseeing one of our torture gulags. But yeah. you know what? Like, that's not an issue that anyone's going to care about because, you know, this no. is America. And, and yeah. people are past that. They don't want to hear about Guantanamo or the war on terror We're anymore moving forward. or torture or any of that shit. That, that's, old. That's, that's just old stuff. Don't bring it up. Yeah, I, 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 I do think that there is a general social aversion to Funko Pop fascism as represented by uh, Ron DeSantis. But who knows? We'll see. Funko Pop fascism. Man, that is that's that, that's hot boy summer right there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's the phrase of the year. All right, let's talk about Hot Boy Summer. Let's talk about this uh, incredible article in the Washington Post about uh, Big Sean McElway because uh, it's, it's titled The Washington Gambler. Uh, I know you guys must have read this piece. It got a, it got a lot of burn. And I got to say, like, you know, we made fun of him in the past. And I know this is like a stock move I've been doing lately, but I'm not kidding. This article actually made me like him because, like, he, he comes across like uncut gems. You know, like, he, you know, yeah. his behavior in this article really reminded me of Harvey Keitel in Bad Lieutenant, where he is um, essentially taking bets from the entire New York City homicide squad in a playoff series with the Mets-Dodgers, and he's encouraging them each game to bet, continue betting on the Mets while he places bets on the Dodgers and gets hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt as with each passing game in the series. And Sean's behavior in this article where he was like, Placing bets on like political betting markets against the clients that he was working for <laughs> is like honestly I like if it, it that's that's fucking cool as hell, man. Yeah. That is some wild ass behavior. He just showed up to Washington and just immediately started doing that too. Yeah. Like there's no slow descent. Just he shows up and he's just immediately like, okay, what's the action? <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, of course, like he was a he was a con artist and he was completely full of shit uh and totally cynical. But he correctly identified that in, historically that has not been a problem for anybody trying to make it in D.C. 
his misfortune is just showing up too late to the party uh, at a point when, you know, all you got to do is turn the interest rate machine down a little bit and the entire fucking house of cards collapses instantly. Whereas he'd shown up like 30 years ago, he could have been a DLC heavyweight his whole career. He could have been Terry McAuliffe with a little bit of swag. It really, you know, he is, uh, he's Tony in the first episode of The Sopranos. Do you ever feel like you got in at the end of something? Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. he really did. Uh, there's some incredible details from this movie, from this movie, I should say. No, this is <laughs> life of movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it begins like this. It was poker night at Sean McElwee's Logan Circle bachelor pad. In the living Ooh. room, a big screen TV played Rounders, the 1998 Matt Damon movie. No, I think the, no, the detail, like no. uh, the Rounders, Boiler Room. And like, I don't know, like the only one, Boondock Saints, they should have been on the fucking TV. Like that is but, but the rounders detail is so important while you play poker. That is some wearing the band's T-shirt to the gig <laughs> energy. And you know, that, you know, those guys, they know all the lines. They're doing the Malkovich character. Pay this man his money. And then yep. like eating the Hydrox cookies like a boss. Yep. Three stacks. Uh, rounders. What a shitty movie. Uh, is it a bunch of guys sat around the table, a spokesman for Facebook, a head of an organization attempting to end the filibuster, a former top aide to former Senate Majority Leader Harry M. Reid, a senior reporter who covered the Senate for MSNBC, and Gabe Bankman-Fried, the brother of political confidant of the crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried. They were Washington insider types, people whose job brought them close to America's political power centers. And Sean, their host, I'm in the business of making Joe Biden's agenda look more popular than it really is. He announced to the table a few Miller High Lifes into the evening and business is booming. Mm. <laughs> I just <laughs> there's another great point where he says, OK, Gabe Bankman fried, whose role involved helping his bro big brother figure out how to spend his money here in town, showed up semi regularly to these poker nights. Gabe's organization guarding against pandemics was becoming a powerhouse in Washington. And Sean had been doing some work for them that involved hyping their work at every opportunity. This pizza is good, someone said at the table. You know what else is good, Sean said, looking at Gabe? Pandemic prevention. <laughs> and then the next article is, Sean was not a, the next sentence is, Sean was not a subtle man. He was fond of saying things that seemed intended to get a rise out of people. He called himself a Clarence Thomas Democrat because, like the conservative Supreme Court justice, he advocated for more money in politics. This is like, I, like, I, I don't know his personal preferences, but like, I, I love that like, seemingly you can like, reverse engineer the personality of a complete cokehead like without <laughs> apparently doing cocaine just to just say things like like i'm a clarence thomas democrat you know, you know what else is good preventing pandemics it's just like i can i can taste it in like the back of my throat <laughs> like saying sentences like that you know there's another good one he says uh, he called lee atwater the infamous consultant who helped republicans win elections by being racist without appearing racist his political idol he once told me in jest that no one understands the value of earned media better than Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> but Sean's biggest wagers had nothing to do with cards. They had to do with politics. Washington is a town of gamblers with members of the political class forever risking capital on candidates and movements in the hopes of scoring influence, money, and status. In Sean's case, political wagers were also literal. Sean had placed wagers in an online prediction market and stood to win nearly $14,000 if Chantel Brown defeated Nina Turner. How many active bets would you have right now? And he says, my inbox is so full of bets. And he gets, so they ask, do you make bets on races you're working? The question lingered. After a few seconds, Sean left. Who can say? <laughs> and there, there's a part of the article where like one of the Fetterman people finds out about him betting against John Fetterman, which again was like, a bad bet, you know, would <laughs> be one thing like I was like the idea like that uh, having all this data and using it to make political bets would be one thing if you were actually winning. 
But these were all bad bets. At least the, I guess he won on the Nina Turner loss. But when he says yeah. like, hey, do you have five minutes just so I can apologize for this? And they go, no, unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, um, you know, a little backstory in uh, Data for Progress, his whole uh, thing. Uh, in 2020, they were so, they were incredibly uh, rosy about the Democrats' prospects. They thought the Democrats would pick up way more seats than they would in the House. Uh, they thought Biden would win by a lot more than he did. So in 2022, they way overcorrected yeah, and ignored all the crucial warning signs and uh, believed their own bad polls in some instances and uh, in other instances. I guess it seems like they changed them to suit, suit what they thought would happen. And they were wrong both times. Here's another yep. incredible detail. Um, this is talking about um, his relationship with a girlfriend named Bobby. It says here, early in their courtship, she told me, they were hanging out in Sean's bed when he decided to play her something from one of his Spotify playlists. It wasn't mood music. It was a 1968 recording of Ted Kennedy's famous eulogy at his brother Robert's funeral about how standing up for ideals and working to improve other people's lives can create ripples of hope that combine to make a powerful current. What, uh, God, what, an, what, what, like, what a scene. Talk about, a, talk about vibe curation. Uh, Chris and I were talking about this last night. And, you know, Chris, as a, as, a, as a consummate vibe curator, like, you know, if you don't know, when you're on the road with Chris, he's, he's bringing the vibe with him everywhere he goes. He makes sure that every hotel room has a different colored light. He's got the, got the, like, the Bluetooth speakers. He's ready, he's ready to curate a vibe everywhere he goes. So we were talking about the, uh, the famous photo of Sean hanging out at his house in a hammock where it's like a party and they're playing the Clinton-Dole debates from 1996. It's like, oh, oh I'm coming God. up, man. I'm peaking right now. Throw on that Clinton-Dole debate. Oh my God! They are like their real life fact friends. <laughs> yeah. oh God, I would like. Um, I would. You know, there have been. It seems like there have been a lot of these. You know, what happened to Sean McElwee, uh Articles. I would like one about David Chore. Yeah, you know, What's David Chore. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't experienced like quite as a, you know, quite as precipitous a fall from grace as as Sean, but he's definitely lost some of his luster when. A, people figured out he was just saying like, oh, this thing pulls bad. Don't do it. <laughs> and B, you know, the fact that he was wrapped up in the uh, whole FTX, whatever the fuck they were doing with Sean thing. Um, you know, he the only article, the, the most recent article I remember reading on Chor was the one about his uh, the parties he was throwing. Oh, yeah. During the hot boy summer. Yeah. Now we know that that was during a hot boy summer that was that was the one where the uh, bad vibes dole debate photo was revealed which is at like the the canonical opposite of the chill out tent like you're coming up and you, you like to your, have a bad a drug experience yeah. <laughs> you go to your buddy and you're like man this stuff's hitting really hard i, I think i'm i think i'm having too good of a time man i think i'm i think i'm having yeah. I'm, I'm feeling too too groovy right now i'm like all right we need to harsh you the fuck out yeah, going to the going to the Clinton Dole Corner will like just it will obliterate all the effects of Molly, two C E, two C B, everything. Yeah, if if you can't get uh over the counter naloxone, just keep that video queued up on your um on your iPhone and be ready to show to your friend who's uh who's going under. 
uh, I mean, the one other the one other thing I got to give Sean props for in this article is the quote where he says, "All of the Zoomers that work for me are bisexual, and all of them have long COVID." I'll believe long COVID is real when someone who is not bisexual has it. Which I got to say. Sean, that, that that that's a three from half court. Uh, you know, yeah, that, that's, he, uh, he, only he has the balls material. to say it, you know? Yeah. It does make you wonder if he got it from somebody else. But he, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tip of the half. <laughs> he, 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 he broke the, he, he broke a lot of cardinal rules of being, you know, the type of guy he wanted to be in that he, he let himself be recorded or otherwise, um, you know, said the wrong things around the wrong people a lot of the time. It seems like everything he said that he shouldn't have said, he he said in front of like a hundred people. Yeah. Like when he yeah, told the data like- for progress employees like uh do everything on the phone so you so we won't get in legal trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, in the seventies, the guy who owned and ran Studio Fifty Four like went on the Dick Cavett show and said on national TV, "What the IRS doesn't know won't hurt them." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, well, like, yeah, like, I don't have much more about uh, Sean other than uh, what a good, <laughs> what a fun article that was, and you know, the, it actually I, did kind of endear him to me, honestly. I like my favorite characters in the article are the people who work for Sean and are like, you know. Now we've realized that he was using data for progress for bad means. We're, we're now that we fired him, <laughs> he was using it's going to be for good evil. again. It's going to be good again. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I, I guess, like, uh, moving on from Sean, I guess the last thing I want to talk about today, and like, I, I don't know how much I have to say about it, but I just want to acknowledge that the the, the uh, being made aware of the Arthur Knight saga this week on Twitter was like one of the most satisfying, one of the most truly funny things I've ever seen was that Dateline interview with that shithead. I wasn't even aware that Truanon did like a whole episode on this guy, oh my like God. the weird cauldron of like oh. Utah sex abuse that he was involved in. The, the Truanon Utah saga, I've listened to all of it. Is uh, I mean. True and not has obviously they, they've done a lot of great series. They've covered things that are much larger in scale than the Utah thing. But the Utah thing comes off as like the to me the most disturbing thing they've ever done. Maybe because it's so like relatively small in scale, and I otherwise would have never known about it. But holy shit, it's fucking weird. Everyone should listen to it. But uh, Arthur Knight. A.K.A. Nicholas Rossi, A.K.A. AKA Nicholas uh, Avardian, A.K.A. Uh, Johnny Blaze, A.K.A. Hot Nichols, A.K.A. <laughs> Mr. AKA, AKA Adrian Wall, Decal. <laughs> <laughs> and like people pointed it out, but like uh, creating an alias as a British man uh, that, that goes by Arthur Knight is like <laughs> creating an American alias that's like John Berger, yeah, <laughs> John James Berger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, God, just like. The video, it's just like how, like how did, like he devised a thing where he's like, I can't breathe, I can't. I, the, the the clip where he tries to prove he can't walk by standing up That's and then my sitting favorite. down and just going, see, exactly, and like the way his glasses fog up on his bullshit oxygen mask. He goes, I love, That's a I low love blow, the one, Andrea. That's a right low blow. Like the, the one accent I've ever heard. The one where he starts, cr- where she's like, the reporter goes, what do you say to people who say, this is just an act. His, his name is an Arthur Knight. And he just wail. He lets out a wail. He's just going, <laughs> and, his, 
and, and his wife goes, "See, look what look what that look what you did to him." I mean, I, honestly, I, I thought his wife was like underrated, the funniest part of that video. She's she, like, really like, good, comforting him when he's wailing, and, and she, like she like, and also like when he when he gets up to when he stands up to prove that he has his wheelchair bound, which is like you know, mein Führer, I can walk, <laughs> she, like, and she very clearly pushes him back down to just be like, no, 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 don't don't do that. You're doing the op- you're doing the opposite of what your intent is here. Yeah, that she's is, uh, very sinister. She was giving off big time uh, Myra Hindley vibes. <laughs> I mean, she's probably awful, but just as a comedic performance, she sh- shows how funny a straight man can be. In a, yeah, you in gotta a have a straight man. Um, I proving that you can't walk by standing up and falling down <laughs> is so fucking good. It's so fucking good. Uh, it, there was another clip of him, uh, like because people were going crazy about the Dateline interview. Which, like I said, like when I first saw that, I thought that was like a sketch. I thought that was this was like an Armando Iannucci, Chris Morris segment or something like that. I was like, I had no idea who this guy is. I had no idea about like this, this the insane details of the story of him like faking his own death to flee like rape charges in Utah, and then reemerging as this like wheelchair bound <laughs> oaf, this wheelchair bound grotesque in the UK pretending to be a Scottish guy. But there's a clip of him like uh, like entering a courthouse in Scotland or whatever in his like rascal scooter and oxygen mask. And a reporter yells at him. They're like, they're like, is the game up, Mr. Rossi? And then he goes, no, the game is afoot. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a guy, though. Little little thing I found out uh, recently. Um, David Levitt. Who is the the former um, Utah district attorney? Who um, Nicholas Rossi wrote a series of blog posts and started a website against to, to have him lose his most recent election, his re-election campaign for district attorney. Bought a castle like across the street from Arthur Knight. This story is so fucking weird. This is so fucking weird. All of it is so goddamn weird. I don't. I don't know how connected it is to this story, but because it's Utah, I'm going to guess it is all very connected. Did you see the other clips this week of all those houses that were sold in Utah that are just like sliding off a hill? Yeah, yeah. That that was pretty incredible. We got to do a show in Salt Lake City. We got we got to do we a should, show in Utah. Yeah. Utah is such pound an interesting some, state. Pound some two point five beer on stage, yeah. like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, it's Carcosa. It's uh, it's cool. Well, uh, best of luck to Arthur Knight. Uh, best of luck to Sean McElwee. Best of luck to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I just, you know, like uh, exciting. We're, we're living in exciting times. This was this was an exciting week. I feel like news is happening again. You know, uh, the Knicks won a playoff series. Harry Belafonte died. Jerry Springer died. You know, like we're, we're, they, 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 history is in flux right now. Rip to a Cincinnati Legends, uh, Jerry Springer. Yeah. That's true. The man who uh, paid paid a hooker with a check, famously, when he was mayor of Cincinnati. <laughs> that, that swag that you just can't uh, replicate anymore. Yeah. John McElway could never. <laughs> Pay a prostitute with a check. That's so yep. good. Uh, yeah, he'd play, he'd pay her an ETH. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's leave it there for today's show. Uh, just real quick, I want to thank everyone who came out last night for the uh, Movie Mindset premiere at the Roxy to see In the Mouth of Madness. We had a great time. And uh, I hope everyone is uh, enjoying and listening to the, uh, the new Movie Mindset series. Uh, yes. And also just a few wrap-up notes uh, from Hell on Earth. 
Uh, I made a blog post about this on the Patreon, but in case you didn't see, um, there is the soundtrack album, which was much requested, is now live. I'll put the link to that in the episode description. And also, uh, beyond Hell, of er- Hell on Earth, uh, we have some show merch back on sale. The shop is back online. Uh, we have some Hell on Earth specific designs, but also the Air America hat, the Zapata oil hat, also some Zapata oil t-shirts. We have these all back in stock right now. Uh, the way our new merch situation works is that these are all on pre-sale through May 24th. Uh, so you have until then to put your order in. Uh, and then once the uh, sale portion is done, everything will be put into production that is ordered. And then you'll get the merch after that. So from now and through May, until May 24th, pick up your Hell on Earth merch. Pick up your Zapata oil hats. This time, we literally can't run out of stock on them because we won't even put them into production until uh, all the orders are done. So if you ever wanted you know, one, like- now is the time to buy. You may you may miss Mother's Day, but like I, I think just a screenshot of your email confirming that you've pre-ordered your mother as a pot of oil hat. I think I think so. I, I think any mom would be <laughs> would be thrilled to have that that gift on Mother's Day this year. And if you miss Mother's Day, it's good for dads and grads. <laughs> All our merchandise is one hundred percent certified 100% dad and appropriate for dads and grads. They have been rigorously tested on both dads and grabs in laboratory conditions. <laughs> we we went through a lot of dads and a good number of grads, but I think it was worth it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, check out the merch and uh, please uh, check out Movie Mindset if you haven't done so already. Uh, Till Monday. Bye-bye. Bye. I got Bye. a million train things I'd rather fucking do than to begin with you. Little stupid ass, I don't give a fuck, I don't give a fuck, I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck, bitch, I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do, don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. Got a million things on my mind, executive deals online, limited.